Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk at the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. Good morning. Try and say this after me. Mangwanani. Good job. That means good morning in my language. Let's try that once more. Mangwanani. Yeah. You guys are good. I would like to welcome you this morning and also would like to welcome those that are joining us online. Today we are coming to the end of an excellent series. I remember the right from the first sermon when Pastor Collins taught us that God knows. An awesome message that he is an all-knowing God. Then Pastor Aaron came with and taught us that God is present all the time and is all-powerful. So this was a wonderful series. And today we are going to talk about God that is always personal. Some religions, they believe that if he's a mighty God, if he's a powerful God, then he has no business meddling in people's personal lives. He must be somewhere up there in the galaxy, seated on his throne, just watching events unfold. But that's not the God that we worship. This afternoon, we would like to share that he is a personal God. That though he is almighty, he is all-powerful, he knows everything, and he created everything, but he is personal with you and me. Before I kick off, I would like you to look into your palms. Go ahead and look into your palms, into your hands. You see those funny little lines, those ridges on your hands? Thank you. They distinguish you from the person seated next to you. For a long time, this used to be the gold standard in a detective work to catching criminals. Fingerprinting was the gold standard. They would get their men through fingerprinting. Until recently, it's been overtaken by DNA. Why am I talking about fingerprinting and DNA? We have over 8 billion people on planet Earth. 
If you go to Africa, where I come from, you are not going to find somebody who has the exact DNA that you have. If you go to North America, you won't find. Out of the 8 billion people that God made, he never replicated you. It's you and you alone. Yesterday I was preaching at a funeral service right on this stage yesterday and I was telling him them that you have pain. You are grieving because this loved one was one of his own kind. God made him and the fact that he is no longer here, he's gone. There is nobody like him who can fill that void, who can laugh the way he laughed, who can love the way he loved, who can talk the way he talked, who can care the way he cared for. Why? It's because they were unique. And that's what David understood in this psalm. That out of, I don't know how many people were on earth, what was the total population for earth when David was around, much smaller than the 8 billion that we have today. But he knew that he was distinctly unique. God's personal care. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Pastor Aaron last week did an excellent job describing when life begins. I thought he tackled such a wonderful, difficult It was very detailed and very comprehensive. That life begins when the embryo starts to exist. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, God knew you. In the USA government database, you are number 44-23-817. If that's somebody's social security number, don't call me a prophet because I'm just guessing. It's just mere coincidence. But in the government database, you are a mere social security number. There is a birth. And when you die, it's declared deceased. But David had a different perspective, that he was just not a number in God's database. That you knew me while I was in my mother's womb. And you even knew that I would be called David. Somebody saying, how can that be? Well, David's life... And death before God was like this. 
And God's knowledge is unending. So God knew whose parents were going to be David's parents. God knew that. He even knew when they were going to meet and when they were going to conceive him. And because he knows everything, he even knew that they were going to call him David. So somebody here today might be feeling bad that I think my life is an accident. The circumstances of your birth, you don't understand them, and they don't, they don't add up, and people look down on you, and you think you were an accident. I've got good news for you today. That God knew you before you were conceived in your mother's womb. That you are not just a social security number before God. You might have the same model of a car like mine. Same trim, same everything. The only thing that might distinguish or differentiate your vehicle from mine is just the VIN number. Thanks to mass production, it changed, the assembly line changed the whole game of industry. God does not do mass production. God does not have an assembly line where he's chunking out people. David understood that. He understood that God was so personal with him that he constructed every cell in his body, every part of his life. Things that gave you joy the first time you fell in love. That sensation when you felt like nobody else has ever felt in love. Do you still remember that? God created that. He took time to create you. You are who you are. That same David says, for he has wonderfully, beautifully created you. Let not some lost soul that said some dark words that you are not beautiful enough. And you harbor those thoughts. The Bible says you are wonderfully, fearfully made. God only made one of you. There are no two yous. And God did not mass produce you. That's what David is saying here. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. It is God's plan for you and me to become more and more like Christ. I like what Derek Kidna said. God not only sees the invisible and penetrates the inaccessible, but is operative there the author of every detail of my being. Growing up in that dusty village in Africa, 
would make soccer balls out of plastic bags. It was a dead-end life. And I remember in the fifth grade, I was very stubborn, being drowned after my sister told me not to attempt to cross the flooded river. Being carried by the river and after some distance thrown on the bank, unconscious. Was God there? He was. He knew. And I'm driving back from Dallas in 2005. I start seeing smoke coming out. And I stop and jump out of the car. The moment I get out of the car, it burst into flames and engulfed the whole thing. And guess what? I only had liability insurance. So nothing was covered, recovered from there. 2014, I'm planning to go with my wife to Zimbabwe in January 2015. I've been feeling extreme fatigue, so much that if I run, it would take me six days to recover. And I usually love the five o'clock news. And when I sit on the couch to just watch the news, I would just doze and just sleep like that. So my doctor suggested that I go and see the cardiologist. We had already bought tickets to go to Zimbabwe. And the guy, as soon as he stuck his stethoscope on, on my heart, he said, man, you are bleeding bad, badly. I can feel you are leaking. Your heart valve is leaking. Let's do the test. So he does all the tests and everything. So I look at him and I say, can I go to Zimbabwe first? And when I come back, we deal with this. He looked at me and he said, there's no way I can let you go to Africa. You are leaking so bad that anything can happen anytime. I didn't like that guy when he told me that. <laughs> of course, they sliced me open and did what they did. And now I'm on the soccer team. Where was God? I said this morning at one time, I had four kids and a wife that could go to work. And we were living on a salary of $8 an hour. Whatever you go through in life, hardships, good times, God knew you. God is not surprised that you are coming on the scene. God is not shocked with your life, with what you are achieving. Why? It's because God knows you. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Like that. How precious are your thoughts, oh God? How vast is the sum of them? God thinks so much about you. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. David realizes how much God loves him. And he breaks into praise. 
This is about divine intimacy. Here the detailed, weighty, and uncountable thoughts that God has for you. And Jesus says, Even the very hairs of your head are numbered, so don't be afraid, sparrows. Matthew 10, 30-31. I know that my girl loves me, meaning my wife. But guess what? She has no clue about the number of hairs in my head. Even as I'm growing older, the number of hairs is becoming less and less and less. More like And still, she doesn't know. She can't. But Jesus says, God loves you so much that he knows the number of hairs in your head. And there is that famous scripture that we like, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has plans for you. God has dreams for you. My son was here with me earlier this morning. He's an engineer. I don't understand drawings and plans. But when I see people that do construction, they come with all those shapes, with all those lines, with all those elevations. I don't like it and I don't understand it. But to him, if you give him a graph, he enjoys that. He loves that, looking at that and working on that. And here in Jeremiah, God says, I have plans for you. God is a blueprint that he took time to write about the elevation, about the deaths, and about the places where you will be at a given time, at a given point. God had it all planned. If I was going to check into your lives and tell me where you met each other, it would be surprising to see that God caused a shaking in this part of the earth and caused a shaking in this part of the earth and you met at this college or you met at this place. The circumstances, God designs every moment of our lives. Amen? He has plans for you. And it's the architect who makes the plans. So let us rest and be comforted in this knowledge. It is true there are twists and turns in this saga of life. Like I've told you, and most of you have testimonies of things that, is, that have happened. And God, we are in his mind. And then the psalm takes a nose dive from praising God from singing about the praises of God. Verse 19 says, If only you would slay the wicked. Oh God, away from me, you bloodthirsty man. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries, your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. It seems like this psalm takes a nosedive from being into the spirit, going into the flesh. He's now talking about killing people. 
He's now talking about hating people. Has David backslidden here? No, it's all connected together. He is now showing us a dimension of God's love that he understood that perhaps we might. David understood something about covenant. He also understood that God is a holy God. And because God is a holy God, there are consequences for sin. There are repercussions for sin. And this is all personal. And maybe let me just piggyback and bring us to where David is coming from. David made a covenant with Samuel, with, uh, sorry, with Jonathan. 1 Samuel 18, verses 3 to 4. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. A covenant was an agreement which could not be broken. It was a contract which could not be broken between two parties. Unfortunately, today we have many contracts that people make that are broken. Many vows, many agreements that people make but are broken. But the biblical covenant was inviolable. It stood. So David goes to Jonathan and they say, we are now covenant brothers. One of the things that they exchanged were robes, belts, swords, meaning their armament. What that actually meant is that from today onwards, if you and I become covenant brothers or sisters, whoever is your enemy becomes my enemy. Whoever is your friend becomes my friend. Whoever attacks you attacks me. My armaments, my weapons, they now belong to you. That's the relationship that David understood with his covenant with God, that whosoever comes against God is coming against me. Whoever fights against God is fighting against me. That's why at one time there was a bully who was known as Goliath, and he would go and taunt the armies of Israel, who would go and bully the armies of Israel. And the Israelites, they become coward, they become afraid. And David was pissed off. Let's hear what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 3 to 4. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. In 1 Samuel, verses 17 to 26, it says, Remember when David asks the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and remove this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. David was mad because in actual essence Goliath was not just challenging the children of Israel. He was challenging God. And in those days whenever you fought a battle whoever won you were bound to worship their God meaning that their God was stronger than your God. That's where he's coming from in this text. That's why he's coming strong against destroying those who hate God. 
And Jesus comes and gives us a better covenant. We Presbyterians, we believe that God is covenantal. And we are exchanging his strength for our strength. And he's giving us his robes, the robes of righteousness in Christ Jesus. That our sins are declared as paid off because of that covenant. And should we go hunting those that do not believe in God because of this scripture? No. Because Jesus says, love your enemies. And it says, for God so loved the world. So if God so loved the world, if God loves those that are lost, then because of our covenant with God, whoever God loves, we are bound to love. Amen. That's where he was coming from, that God is holy, and because God is holy, there are consequences of disobeying him. That's why he could stand by and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's why he could stand by and say, the Lord is my refuge. He understood his covenantal position with God's covenant love, that I am protected, that I am loved, that I am accepted, that I have a big protection under God's shadow. Why? It's because I have a covenant with God. And then we finally go to our personal response. We love this verse, all of us. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What a way to end the psalm. After the ranting and raving about hating God's enemies in the previous verses, David takes a deep breath and he says, maybe I'm not better than the people that are God's enemy. Those people that I just talked about that hate God, maybe I'm not better than them. And he goes and says, search my heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Our communion with God, our relationship with God happens in our hearts. And Jesus had problems with the religious leaders of his day. Why? It's because they tended to clean the outside of the cup instead of cleaning the inside. That's why he went on to teach and says, what defiles a person is that which comes from their inside. And as a culture, we are very good at painting and keeping the outside intact. That's why there are PR firms that make tons of money. They can make your image. They can make you look good. They can make you sound good. It's all have to do with the outside. And Jesus says, no. That's not where the big game is played. 
the big game is played inside. And David knew this in the Old Testament. That's why he's praying and saying, Search me, O God. Those nooks in my heart, show me. And we see Isaiah, when he came into the presence of the Lord, he cried out, Woe unto me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He had been prophesying prior to this. But when he comes into the presence of the King, when he comes into God's presence, when God's light shines on his heart, he realizes, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Clean me, oh God. Only when we come in his presence, when his light shines upon us, why do we want his light to shine upon us? So that we might see those things, the dark things in the hidden crevices of our hearts. Do we just want them to be exposed? No. So that we can repent and turn away from those things. Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's just and faithful to forgive us. We need confession that leads to repentance so that we do not repeat those same things again. We need God to clean us from the inside. Unlike people, God cannot be cheated. God sees your very own thoughts. So the question is, does God have some bugging devices in our minds that he can see every thought that comes into our minds? No. God knows your thoughts and my thoughts because he is God. Because he is all-knowing. Because he is all-seeing. Because he is everywhere in your mind and throughout the whole world. So you cannot hide your sins away from him. That's why we need to pray. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. For nothing is hidden from his sight. Let us confess our sins and be humble to ask God to search our hearts so we can deal with those things that make us stumble. This brings us into communion with God. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you that our existence today is not an accident. We thank you that you know each and every individual in this room today. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us, O oh Lord. We thank you that your plans for each and every one of us are of good. We pray, Father, that we might live to the full potential of the purposes that you have for our lives and our destinies. We pray this in the mighty 
matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.